And I know he's got a treat for you this morning. So. God bless you. Love you, man. Yes, sir. Amen. It's an honor to be able to preach this morning. Um, my, my prayer this morning, did, did y'all recognize just how excited Pastor John was about uh, being there this morning? And my prayer was, Lord, I pray that you make it even more special than he hoped it would be. And if he does that, it's going to be amazing for him and just prayers to, to bless him. And this morning, I just wanted to share one thing before I get into the message that um, when we sing that song, he can do anything. I always have this thought, and it just rang true in my heart this morning, and I believe maybe there's just somebody in here this morning that need to hear that. He can do anything, and I wanted to tell you, and God told me to tell you that he is doing something, that he can do anything, and that he is doing anything in your life. And I know Kat and I have gone through difficult last few months, and there are a lot of things that we're just believing God for, some things that are... Uh, we've tried to mend, tried to fix, and we just can't get it done. And it's like, okay, God, finally I let go. And, and so we believe and we proclaim this morning that God can do anything. And God is doing something in your life and that which you're praying for. So just continue to hold on and believe him because he really can do anything. This morning, if you got your Bibles, turn to Psalms 119. Verse 57 through 64. And the message this morning is simply titled, My Portion. As a way of introduction before I read the scripture this morning, I just wanted to share some other things with you. Cat uh, and I, well, Cat was diagnosed with cancer about two years ago. In July, two years ago, she got the diagnosis. And we had to start treatment almost immediately. And one of the things that they uh, did is they installed this thing they call a port right here in her chest. And that was so they could uh, access and give her her chemo treatments and, and instead of poking her in the arms, they would go through this port. And then we started doing the uh, chemo treatment and it, it was tough. It was just tough. But the thing that bothered her the most was this port. From the moment she got it, she complained about that thing and she's continued to complain about it. I'm like, girl, you are so sick from all this chemo and all this that you're going through. And she's gone through this sur all these surgeries, but she still complained about that port. And I'm like, I don't get it, but that port bothered her so much. Well, Friday, she got to get that port out. Yes. And that's really good news because they told her you need to keep it in six months to a year because they want to make sure you're okay. So when they tell you you can take it out, then they're confident that you're not going to need it anymore. And so we believe that that's our last hurdle we're going to have to jump over in, the, in this battle with cancer. And I'm so proud of my wife and how she's fought and trusted. And we're so thankful and grateful for how you supported us and so many people around us supported us. And God is just good. He's been really good to us. And so in this process of going through this cancer treatment and all this, God's given us an incredible whole new perspective about who he is. I mean, God has been there for us. We always knew intellectually that God's there for you. We know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God is our provider, that God is our comforter, God is our sustainer, God is 
He's everything for us, and he has become the most important thing in our life. And our relationship with him, having gone through a difficult two years, has changed and transformed. And we know him better today. He's everything that we'll ever need. We sing a song sometimes, the song, Oh How He Loves Us. And there's a line in that song, and it says, He is my portion. He is our portion, and we are his prize. And there's something about that, that, that phrase that he is our portion that always just stirred me deep down in my soul. It just something moved inside of me when we'd sing that. And I would sing it, and I would lift my hands, and I'm like, Lord, I, I know I don't grasp all that that means, but I want to know what it means. I want to discover that, God, because it speaks so deep into me. And I know you're trying to teach me something from that, Lord. So, so this morning we're going to look at this term that the Lord is my portion. And we're going to dig into it. And I believe God's given me a word for some people here today. So Psalm 119, 57 through 64. It says, you are my portion, Lord. He just makes a declaration. Lord, you are my portion. I have promised to obey your words, and I have sought your face with all of my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promises. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. And though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. And at midnight I rise up to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Pray with me this morning. Lord, this morning we just yield to you. And Lord, as we look to your word and the truths that you want to reveal to us this morning, we just open our hearts, open our ears, help us to spiritually connect, Lord, that we might understand your language and what you're speaking to us, God. Just pray that after, the, after this morning's message, God, that you will change and transform someone's life in this room. God, we just bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This phrase, the Lord is my portion, is used in other parts of Scripture as well. In Psalm 73, 26, it says, My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart, and he's my portion forever. In Psalm 142, 5, it says, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. In Psalm 16, 5, it says, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance. In my cup, you support my lot. In Lamentations 3, 24, it says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. And then we go to Joshua 13, 33. It says, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses did not give an inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he had promised them. So here's the Levites. When Israel came into the promised land, God began to divide up the land, the portions of the land, to give it to the tribes. But the tribe of Levi didn't get any portion of land. And God said, because I'm going to be your portion. I'll be your portion. And that's sort of a type of the Christian today in the life we live because we live in this world. And God has told us that he is our portion 
And we have no portion in this world because the world is going to fade away. The world is temporary. The world is going to burn one day. But the Lord is eternal. And so the Levites got the best portion. And there's so many times we look out at the world and we think, wow, look what they have. Or look what the world offers me. And God's telling us, no, I am your portion. I am all that you'll ever need. When you have me, you have the best of everything that you will ever have. The word portion is rich as it pertains to God being our portion. All other meanings of, the word, of that word have to do with a part of something. And I noticed when I would speak of a triangle, when I would say the word triangle, I would do this. Just naturally, I just made the shape of a triangle. And that has to do with, that has to do with the idea that it, maybe it's a piece of cake or it's a piece of pie. And, and so I'd make, I would make this triangle. And, and to illustrate that, I want to pick on my wife just a little bit. And she gave me permission to do this, okay? Because I want you to understand this, this word portion. My wife has one weakness that I know of. Just one, just one. See, there's this little bakery in Warner Robins called Wilson's Bakery. And she loves their cake. I mean, she gets so excited. And, and this past week, we went down to Tallahassee to celebrate my granddaughter's third birthday, little Rosie. And Kat gets so excited when somebody's birthday is coming up because she's going to get one of those cakes from Wilson's Bakery. And we take it all the way down to Tallahassee. Now, y'all, this, is, this was so cute. We set the candles up, and we get Rosie to blow out the candles, and we start to cut the cake. And here's Rosie, three years old, and Kat sitting right next to her, and the look on their face was exactly the same. <laughs> there was no difference. And so we start to cut the cake, and I guess you could also call Kat the portion police when we're... <laughs> cutting cake. She wants to make sure that you're not getting more than what you're supposed to get. And don't even think about cutting off a corner piece. Nope. Don't get that corner piece. And so why does she do that? It's because she knows that there's just a limited amount of that cake. That cake eventually is going to be eaten and it's going to be gone. Y'all listen, she brought home a piece of the cake, pretty big piece about that long. And, uh, and she, I saw her over there open it and she looked at me, she said, you don't want any of this, do you? I thought, <laughs> And I'm not a big cake eater. And I said, well, just cut me off just a little piece. Save me a little piece and I'll eat it. So I come over and I sit down on the couch. And I look over and she's got that whole piece of cake. And she has eaten all the icing off the outside of it. I'm like. She said, oh, I didn't think you wanted any. Yes, you did. She knew I did. So when we, when we say the word portion, this is how we think of that word portion. That it's just something temporary that's not going to last forever. But when we say the word portion in relation to who God is in our lives, you can't make the shape of a triangle something that's just a part of something else. You have to lift your hands up because in Christ you have everything. When you say he is my portion, it, it, it means that he has given us everything that we need according to his word for life and godliness. So when I talk about God's being our portion this morning, don't think of something temporary like he is a piece of something else. He's everything. When you get God, cat, maybe you get to have your cake and eat it too. So think of God as 
everything as our portion. So with that, number one. Because the Lord is our portion, Jesus is our portion. It begins with this. Our portion, our inheritance, everything that we will ever have for an eternity, our rewards, our desires, and even our very own life are found in Jesus and in who he is. He is our portion. He's everything to us. And we have no part with any other portion in this world. It's only Jesus. And this is the reality of all who believe in him. Jesus even said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But he also teaches us in Philippians 4.13 that I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you know him today, if you're a born-again believer, he is your portion whether you want him to be or not. He belongs to you, and you belong to him. He is in you, and you are in him. And see, Jesus doesn't play around with this. He operates in black and white, and there aren't any gray areas with, with him when he talks about these types of things. He says things like, he who is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather, gather with me scatters. And I think that in the same thought, it would be safe to say that anyone who doesn't receive him as their full and complete portion has no portion with him at all. We have a tendency to love parts of him, but we don't want to love all of him. We see this in John chapter 13 when Jesus comes to wash the disciples' feet. When he came to Peter, what did Peter do? He said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus told him, you don't realize what I'm doing right now, but later you will. And I think just that right now is a word for somebody apart from this message. You don't realize what God's doing in your life right now. And my wife and I are in that place too. We don't, we don't understand what's going on. Maybe somebody's here today and you don't understand. And Jesus would say to you this morning, you don't realize what I'm doing right now, but later you will. And so word somebody this morning, you just need to hold on to where you are. Peter then said to him, you shall never wash my feet, Lord. Do you sense that false humility? That I'm not worthy of you to wash my feet. You won't ever wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. See, this is just like us. We can be so self-demeaning and we can carry ourselves with a false humility that we don't see ourselves worthy of receiving the gifts that God has that he wants to give us. Hey, if Jesus wants to wash my feet, who am I to argue with him? You know, and he's asking us just to yield and, and let him have his way in his life. And we have this false humility, and we can be so demeaning. Um, last Sunday, I was uh, sitting here as Pastor John preached. And, well, that message was so powerful last Sunday. It was so anointed. And when you're the guy that you know that you're going to be preaching the next Sunday, and you're listening to that, you're like, Lord, i got to follow that. And I've always been that sort of critic. And God just pricked my heart. And he spoke to me. He said, if I anoint Pastor John, don't you think I'll anoint you? It's like, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. And I just had to bow my head and say, yes, Lord, it's not about me. It's all about you. Lord, whatever you have for me, I receive it. And God's speaking this to us this morning, that we need to receive every 
part of him because him as our portion, he has given us so many wonderful things and he wants us to open our heart to be able to receive them. Peter finally overreacted and he said, okay, God, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus was like, uh, no, dude, you've had a bath, you're clean, you only need your feet cleaned. And here's the thing, and just want to be open with you about, about things. This morning, as I had had this encounter with God, just being, thinking, oh, I got to follow Pastor John. And this morning, as I was just, I just came before God this week, and I'm telling you, I've had so much peace this week. Those of you that know me know that I'm very anxious. I have a lot of anxiety uh, when I know I'm going to preach on a Sunday and when I'm getting up to speak. And God just spoke to me. It was so tender. He said, you know what Pastor John does? He lets me wash his feet. He said, why don't you just let me wash your feet? And so I had a very sweet time with the Lord this week, just saying, Lord, have your way. Lord, I take all of my anxiety, all of my fear, all of those things, and I just lay them aside. Cleanse me. And he did. And I've had so much peace this week, this morning. Yeah, I'm nervous. Anybody's nervous before they preach. But I just have a peace about what he wants to do in me and through me and what he wants to communicate to us today. I just let him wash my feet. I think that Jesus really liked Peter because of his overreactions. You remember when he boldly said, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll go and I'll die for you. And Jesus had to say, no, you're going to deny me three times tonight. And here he is again, overreacting. Don't wash just my feet. Wash me all over, Lord. And he's, he's like, no. But I think that God's just waiting on us to overreact to something that he has for us rather than us underreacting to the things that he's provided for us and that he wants us to receive in his life. So maybe when you look at the things that God's offering to give you as a gift to bless your life with, overreact to it and say, yes, Lord, I'll take it and everything else that you have to give to me. We love that we are saved, but sometimes we shrink back to the idea that we are righteous in him. But you are righteous in him because Christ is righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And God wants you to receive that into your life this morning. And quit walking under the condemnation that this world and the enemy has tried to put you under. We love that we have eternal life, but we are fearful for our temporary lives in this world. And God doesn't want, want us walking and living in fear in this world and in our life. He wants you to be set free. We love that he empowers us through the Holy Spirit, but we can't see ourselves as victorious over the things that come against us. But God wants you to have victory. There is power in the Holy Spirit that's alive in you, and he's given you the power to walk on serpents. And you can overcome the things that are attacking your family or coming against you. We will have victory, won't we, Kat? We will win because we believe in a mighty God and he's at work in our lives. If we can just grasp what it means that he is our portion, and as our portion, receiving everything that he's provided with us, for us, is going to be a grand thing in our life if we can come and grab hold of that. It's going to change and transform your relationship with him. See, God doesn't give us anything that is unworthy of who he is. You know, we've got, uh, we have wealthy people in our family. They don't give us none of their money. 
But when they buy us a gift, it's always a gift that's kind of worthy of their status. So it's good to have rich relatives. You get nice things. They let you come stay at their condo at the beach sometimes. And so, so God, but God doesn't give us anything that's unworthy of who he is either. After God gave us life and we messed it up, he gave us the greatest expression of his love that anyone could ever give. He gave us himself. He gave us his son. He gave us Jesus. I want to illustrate this, something to you through this story. Uh, years ago at Faith Assembly of God, I was working with the youth with Pastor Andy King and Warner Robbins. He was a youth pastor. And we worked with youth, and we'd have Friday night youth services. And one Friday night, a bunch of the kids came up and said, Pastor Ken, Pastor Ken, there's this girl that she's saying that she can't be saved. Come and save her. Of course, I can't go save her, but I said, all right, let's go see. And so I knelt down, and I said, darling, they tell me that you don't think that you can be saved. You guys, I'm telling you, the first time I've ever looked in someone's eyes and thought they're demon-possessed. I saw anger, hatred, and bitterness in her eyes. And I said, and I was like, Lord Jesus, help me, help me. I said, darling, why do you think you can't be saved? And she looked at me and she said, because Satan tells me what to do and I do it and I've done some really bad things. And I just said, Lord, give me what I need. And I looked up and I saw my son standing over there. And I said, listen, you see that boy standing right there? That's my son. I love him. I cherish him. He's my pride and my joy. And let's just imagine that tonight when this is over, that you're walking across a parking lot and a car comes speeding through there. And my son runs out there and grabs you and throws you out of the way. And that car hits him and he dies. I said, do you think that if that happened, that I wouldn't do anything for you? Do you think that I wouldn't wrap my arms around you and take you in as if you were my daughter? You could live in my home. I would put you through college because if I didn't do those things, that would mean that my son died in vain for you. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And somebody this morning needs to hear this. God will give you anything. There's not anything that God won't do for you. You have not sinned beyond, uh, beyond allowing him to bless you and to give you all that he's intended for you. Open your arms up to him. Remove the things that hinder you from receiving him. Receive his forgiveness in your life. Receive his grace in your life. That thing that holds you back, let it go once and for all and receive all the things that he has for you. See, doesn't that give you a reassurance that maybe God will give to us those things that we've never thought ourselves worthy of before? There's not anything because if he won't give it to you, it means that Jesus died in vain. I'm declaring to you this morning that he will because he says that he will. And he will because he's your portion. And everything that is his is yours and it belongs to you. Jesus, is our, Jesus, our portion, is not only a reality in our lives, but it's also something that we desire. It's also something that we aspire to and something that we pursue. The psalmist knows and we know that even though God has given himself to us, sometimes we want something else, Right? I'll confess that. Sometimes we want something else because our flesh just desires something else sometimes. Sometimes we think that we'll find greater fulfillment through the things of this world than what we'll find in God. 
Satan will whisper in our ears the same words that he whispered into Eve's ears in the garden. He'll say, did God really say? Or did God really mean what he said? He said to Eve, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die? He'll get you to question God. Then you're primed for the full-blown lie. He said, then you will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat of it and your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, and if you buy into it, you will eat that fruit. You'll think that you can find blessing outside of Jesus, who is your portion and your only portion. You'll think that God is holding back from you and that there's another portion that you're entitled to and that we can find greater satisfaction than in God himself. It's a sin that plays itself out over and over and over again in people's lives. Satan, ta Satan's tactics have not changed and they haven't changed because they work. So when the psalmist writes, the Lord is my portion, he is also expressing a spiritual aspiration. He doesn't want something else to occupy his heart. He doesn't want to give anyone else his affections. And we don't want to either, but sometimes we do. And we get into trouble when we decide that the things that God has given us are not enough. We get into trouble when we decide that the things that God has well withheld from us lessen us somehow. But God is asking us to accept everything that he gives us and to reject everything that he hasn't. Because all of God's gifts are good. And everything that, we, that he withholds from us is good for us. We must accept that as our reality. And we are to aspire to it and to desire it as well. Christians struggle so much because we choose other partial portions over the eternal portion that Jesus is in our life. We fall into alcoholism, yes, drug addiction, yes, because we choose another portion for our comfort. We choose the portion of worldly success over faithful service in the body of Christ for our fulfillment, for our accomplishment. Sometimes we grab a hold of anything in this world to try to find some kind of purpose and meaning. And I'm telling you this morning, you won't find it there. I could list hundreds of ways that we reject Jesus as our portion, but I don't think there's any more proof than the breakup of the families in our culture and in many in our churches. Divorce is rampant, and it's even very heavy in the church. I see so many of my Christian friends getting divorced, and it breaks my heart, even recently, so many. Now, I'm not here to bring condemnation, and I know that every divorce has a story of its own, and so many are divorced today because of no fault of their own. And yes, there is life after divorce. It's not the unpardonable sin. I can't wrongly judge it because I did everything possible to destroy my own marriage. Except for God, there go I. But I did learn a few things. Okay. Today I want to speak to the men in this room, not the ladies. Maybe you can glean from it, but I'm speaking to the men. As God has established, established us as the leaders in the home, we need to start leading. I'm going to say that again. 
As God has established us as leaders in the home, we as men need to start to lead. Amen. We need to be the ones that lead. That doesn't mean that we lord over or are greater than our wives. It just means that we have different roles. And they're waiting on us to lead. I believe the key to preserving our homes rests with us. We need to lead because God's made us leaders. Our wives are our portion in this world, and they are gifts from God. Put it this way. The best thing that God has given you of this world is your wife, period. And then it's your children, and it's your job, it's your house, it's your dog, it's your cat. It's all of those things that God has given you are the best thing for you, and God knows that. All of that is God's gift to you, and the best that you will ever get There's nothing better for you. If you pursue another portion in this world, you'll only end up more empty, more troubled, more frustrated, and more lost than you are right now. If you can't make what you have now work, what in the world makes you think that what you get in place of it is going to work? You're buying into a life that's even a consideration for you. For me, my wife is everything to me. Other than Jesus... She's it, baby. She's all mine and I'm all hers. She's all I want and she's all that I'll ever need for my helpmate. I love everything about her. I love how she looks. I love her hair. I love her kiss. I love her style and I love her smile. I love her smell. I love her personality. I love how she laughs and I love how she cries. I love her strength of character. And I put great value on the sacrifices that she's made for our family over all of these years. I love her inside and out. And she is my standard for everything that a woman should ever be. She's mine. And this is what I mean when I say that Jesus is my portion. And that is something we should aspire to. We need to bring everything underneath the banner of the Lord is my portion. And where's a better place to start than right in our own homes with our own wives? The second thing today is this. And two, three, and four are going to be very quick, y'all. Because Jesus is our portion, his word is our portion as well. I'm sorry, I lost my place. Here we go. Because Jesus is our portion, his word is our portion. Verse 57 says, the Lord is my portion, I promise to keep your words. If you treasure Jesus, you'll treasure his word. And I found that out when I was going through my drug addiction recovery. I just finally said, okay, God, whatever your word says, that's what I'm going to believe. I'm going to grab a hold of it. And I began to put it into practice. And guess what? The word of God works. The Word of God changed me. The Word of God helped me. The Word of God did everything that the preachers had always been telling me it would do, and I didn't believe them. I thought that was just, yeah. But the Word of God is powerful, and it's effective, and it can change and transform its life. For me, it's like this. If the Word of God teaches it, I believe it, and that's it. And it's really just that simple. So I challenge you today to put his word into action in your life, and it will astound you and leave you never doubting again. And remember that the Lord is our portion, and his word is your portion as well. Number three, because Jesus is our portion, God's grace and promises 
are ours for the keeping. Verse 58 says, I entreat your favor with all of my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. He's not declaring what he's going to do, but he's acknowledging what God will do in our lives. He's talking about his own life and how he lives and that it's not according to his own efforts, but it's based on God's favor, on God's grace and promises. And because Jesus is our portion, they all belong to us. Ben, can you come up? Because Jesus is our portion, our lives are being changed and transformed into his image. Change and transformation are usually the things that we're looking for in our lives or the things that we want. But when God is changing us and transforming us to be like Jesus, there's such a peace in the midst of it. That's because when God's got you, you know that you're in a safe place. And when God's working in your life and transforming you and doing things that you don't understand and he's telling you, I know you don't get it right now, but you will later, and you have to hold on to it used to make me nervous, and today I just realized I can be at peace right there where I'm at. So it's so important for me to communicate this to you today. I just wanted you to be able to grasp what it means. And I'm still discovering, and we'll always be discovering what it means that he's our portion, that he's everything, that we're in him and inside of him. That's our portion. And everything that we'll ever need is found there. And I look back over my life and there's, there's so many ways that I've just tried to make something else my portion. I tried to make this work and that work. Anything but this God thing because I didn't want to yield to it. But God's calling us to yield to that today because, because by not accepting him as our portion, it's devastating people's lives. It's devastating families. It's devastating homes. It's hurting children. And God's asking us to receive him as our portion in everything. Uh, many of you know, a couple weeks ago, my brother-in-law passed away. Terry was um, the nicest guy that you'll ever meet. Just nice. You just like being around him. He has a pleasantness about him. And, um, and he passed away, and we went up to the funeral in North Carolina and so many of the people at the church where they had attended, they, they attended this little church and they had gotten hurt somehow and left and had not been back to church in quite some time. But this church still came out and just blessed them and brought food. And so many of the church members were there and, and the pastor from the church came to do the funeral. And so many people came up to me and told me about Terry and how much he meant to them. He had a Sunday school class and they loved being in a Sunday school class. And a couple of the ladies were telling me this hunger that he had for the word. Terry had grown up in Mormonism and had converted to Christianity and just fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with his word and fell in love with what grace was. And after the funeral, I talked to the pastor and the pastor told me, he said, I was in Terry's Sunday school class when God called me into the ministry. And he said, it was because of Terry that I accepted the call that I'm a pastor today. And so all these testimonies of how Terry impacted so many people. Well, the way Terry died is that he took his own life. And, and that just shocked us and left us stunned. And you always wonder why 
but there's not really an answer to that. Um, you wondered if there was something you could have said or done or if there was something you didn't notice. You could just continue to question it over and over. But when I look at the pain that it's caused, when I look at the hurt of my sister, my heart just breaks because I know that it didn't have to be that way. For some reason, Terry, who found Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and I believe he's in heaven today because of the testimony of so many of, of his life, about his life, that Terry somehow couldn't find Jesus as his portion in that moment. And so my appeal to you this morning is this. I, I, I know there's people in this room and you're being tempted. You're being tempted uh, to partake in another portion that's not the portion that God intended for you. And it may be a little thing to you, but I'm telling you, little things grow into big things. And they become devastating in our lives. And so this morning, I simply just want to extend an invitation. Will you make him your portion this morning? Renounce everything else in your life, everything of this world, and give it all to him and trust him. So this morning, if God's speaking to you, I invite you to come to the altar and just take a few minutes and pray. Say, Lord, I want to know you as my portion and my only portion. And I want to aspire for you to be my portion. I want to desire you. I don't want anything else in my life, Lord, but that which you have provided for me. But I do want every bit of that as well. So if that's you this morning, just invite you to the altar, spend some time just praying right where you are.
my prayer this morning that as you leave, you go about your day and you go about the rest of your life, that you will take on this banner of, Lord, you are my portion. And anytime trouble comes, temptation comes your way, declare this, Lord, Lord, you are my portion and I have no other. Father, thank you for this morning and for your word. Lord, we declare you as our portion. We don't want any part of this world, Lord. We want you. We desire you above all else. God, we just bless your name this morning and go with us as we leave this place today. In your precious name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you and have a wonderful Sunday.